0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here, so the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, and the list goes on and on and on. I will then sit with your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is. Helpful for you to become a saint, but here's my disclaimer, I am not perfect, I am not infallible, therefore I don't always say something that's good. If I say something that does not help you to grow in your relationship with God in the church, please reject whatever it is that I say that is not helpful for you and the Lord. But if it is helpful and difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer and study and fellowship and in worship so that God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship over time in your walk toward eternity. Uh, If you are a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages. This will help other people to find out about the show if it's good for you. Potentially, it could become good for them as well. On today's show, we have a special guest, Father Gregory Pine. Uh, Welcome to the show, Father.
1: Hi. Thanks so much for having me.
0: And, uh, and so he and I are going to be talking about uh, all things regarding uh, discernment. He has a new ebook called out, the first name Prudence, the last name. Choose Confidently, Live Boldly. See, see how I did that, Padre, right? Uh, I like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, it's a tag team, tag <laughs> team back again. I'm here with the Dominican, because you're a Dominican-like preacher. <laughs> yeah, man. So are you an 80s baby father? I am, yeah, yep. Okay, yeah. So you grew up on Fresh Prince as well, and Family Matters, and Full House, and Step by I Step. Day Tgif by. was the high point of my week. Man, yeah. Every Friday it was, uh, yeah. Carl Winslow, uh, and then definitely Full House,
1: and then on Saturdays they. Do you remember Walker Texas Ranger? I do. I watched a few episodes of that though. I wasn't as big of a devotee of Chuck Norris as I was of Bob Saget. Bob, yeah. So Bob Saget was like
0: he was one of the best dads on on TV around that time. Yeah. what a gift what a gift he was to humanity um so uh, all right on to the the show this has nothing to do with the show so what the way we normally start a show off is uh, i share a glory story so i wanted to know uh, a glory story is, is basically uh something beautiful that god has done in our life recently that we want to share with our audience to build up the body of christ is there a particular glory story that you want to share with us today
1: uh let's think um this past weekend was very full and very beautiful and i had a lot of wonderful conversations with a lot of wonderful people And there's a kind of precious moment where I'd celebrated this mass at this, whatever. I live in Switzerland, so I was in the city called Bern. And so I celebrated mass, and then we had Stations of the Cross and Confessions, and then I bopped over to celebrate a house mass with this group of young adults. And we're at this young woman named Anna's house, and three generations of women live in the house because her mother, Agnes, and then her grandmother all live under the same roof. And when I went to their house, it was very evident to me that here is a group of women who have, who have lost much, you know, like they've lost their, their husbands and their fathers, uh, but they also love much. It was very, very clear to me that they love much. That, I mean, the walls were just covered with pictures of the Lord, Our Lady, and then of each other. It was really, really beautiful. And we had a beautiful Mass and a meal. And it, ah, yeah, I, I, I left exhausted, uh, but I also left just very, very filled. So that was a glorious story for me.
0: Isn't it beautiful how like, we're surrounded by so many hidden saints that the world may never know their names, but uh but they are living in an
1: intimate communion with God. It is. It is amazing and I think yeah, w- for one of the greatest gifts for me of being Christian is like finding these people, these people who uh it's very clear that they have a secret and the secret is that they love the Lord. <laughs> Amen. And when you're like, "Holy smokes, you have a secret. You want to share that secret?" And you're like, "Oh my god." Yeah. <laughs> that is an incredible secret. So, yeah, there's something wild about being Christian where you get to uh you get to find these people and talk with them, and then live with them. I love it. I love it. That's great, man.
0: Well, on today's show, you and I are going to talk about three uh, really good questions: uh, signs from God are not. How do we discern uh, fear in discernment uh, and patience with indecisiveness uh, in making decisions? And so, uh, I just suggest that maybe we tackle them together. I'll let you go first, and that way I can just ride your coattails um and like yeah yeah what he said um and yeah we'll just, we'll take it from there sound good to you brother sounds great thanks awesome well, with that let's jump into today's show All right, so first question comes in from Michael. Michael writes this, signs from God or not? Hey, Father Josh, I have a question about signs from God. In my Catholic circle of friends, there are a couple of people who talk a lot about waiting for a sign from God when they're trying to make a big decision. One of them also talked about something to do with a novena to St. Therese, where if the answer is yes, uh, somehow roses are going to show up on the last day of the novena. I totally believe that God can give us signs, but I'm a little unsure how you can tell us what's from God and what's not. Also, maybe you can explain the roses in St. Therese thing as well. Thanks, Michael. She's a Carmelite. you're Dominican, but I'm I'm
1: assuming you might have some wisdom on that too. Yeah, I love St. Therese. What a wild woman. So my first thought is, you know, sometimes the Lord prompts us to ask for a sign, and then sometimes the Lord prompts us to trust and to choose. So you can think about scriptural examples, like in the book of the prophet Isaiah, where the prophet Isaiah tells the king to ask for a sign, let it be deep as the netherworld and high as the sky. And the king responds like, I wouldn't dare do that. And Isaiah is saying, the Lord is asking you to do it, so do it. Or you can think about the example of, what was it, Gideon's fleece, where on you know separate occasions, night after night, he put a particular test before the Lord. He's like, all right, I'm going to lay this on the ground, and I want it to be covered in moisture. Or I'm going to lay this on the ground, I want everything else to be covered in moisture and not this. And it, it turned out, it turned out, and then he won a great victory. So there are examples of asking for a sign in the Scriptures. And then there are also a, a, examples in the Scriptures where people demand a sign or ask for a sign, and the Lord rebukes them. So it's like the Lord will say, you're only going to be given the sign of Jonah. The Son of Man will be three days and three nights, as it were, in the belly of the earth, and that will be sufficient testimony. So I think, you know, the Lord's in the business of performing signs. And the Gospel of John is, is wild testimony to that fact. The sign, the sign, the signs, they all lead to the resurrection, which is the culminating sign of the fact that the one who took human flesh is in fact God. And that he comes to save us from our sins. But then sometimes we kind of create the terms of our own sign seeking. And I think that's where we have a problem where we're not actually trusting the Lord to be about a good work in our lives. Because the Lord has placed our life in our hands. Not in the sense that it's no longer in his hands, but in the sense that he wants us to be like real actors in the story of our lives. He doesn't want us to be mere observers or puppets or marionettes or whatever other useful image you can come up with. So I think it's going to depend on time and place and setting and circumstance. But I always think that it's a good move to you know pray, bring it before the Lord in the blessed sacrament, and then to ask counsel from friends. And then you know, begin to move on what the Lord inspires or what the Lord prompts. So maybe I'll I'll just leave it there and send it over to you.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting we're talking about this because uh, when I had my conversion uh, at Steubenville South in 2004, uh, I was introduced to St. Therese, the Little Flower, and they had this movie that they were talking about that was coming out or whatever, and I had no idea who she was, but they gave out little novenas, to her, nine day novenas, and at the end of it, you asked for roses. And I think in the beginning, like legit, like these roses would appear on the ninth day, uh, but then it got to the point where I began to look for the roses. And so there was this billboard uh, by my high school, and so I would drive past that billboard that had a big old rose on it on the ninth day. It's Like, oh, I got, I got my rose, Lord, I got so I was abusing it. And like, okay, but so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think sometimes we can we can focus too much on the sign. I think that the, the gift of, of of signs in general is that they draw us to communion with God. So even if the sign that we're um, that we're looking for or we're trying to receive um, isn't of the Lord, the fact that we are praying is drawing us to communion with God. And anytime we pray, uh, even if it's for for reasons that might not be the most pure with intentions, uh, time with Jesus is transformative. And the Lord can transform us by us coming, even with our impure motives, sometimes, or um, with our faulty uh, logic about how the Lord should work, could work, or would work in our lives, um, if it were up to to us. As far as why Saint Therese gives out roses, you could tell me that, Padre, because I don't know. I, do I know that? I don't. Um, you're Dominican. I thought all religious had some kind of like in with each other, where y'all all shared these secrets.
1: I mean, I have no idea. Um, if I'm honest, I have no idea if I were to make up an answer, I would wend my way between partial explanations, but none of them would be satisfactory because like her religious name was of the child Jesus and of the holy face and she oh you said, know what I think know, she, she said, said one time if I make it to heaven I'm going to shower earth with roses that sounds right that sounds right. I know she said something about like doing good he spend her heaven doing good on earth and maybe those are the terms like showering roses if so, party on I'm for it. Yeah, roses are
0: great. You know, roses are red, violets are blue. Um, St. Therese is a Carmelite, and... Uh, I'm not too. Not, I'm not too, yeah. That's right. <laughs> there it is. Okay, our next question is about fear and discernment. Uh, this comes in from Anonymous. Uh, Anonymous says, Hey, Father, I'm an avid listener to your podcast ever since I stumbled across it three years ago. Your show has helped me to find my way back to God slowly but surely. Thank you for all your effort. It's a blessing for me as well as the many other listeners. My question is this, how do I discern my vocation? Truth be told, it scares me. Ever since this fear came into my mind almost two years ago, I'm unable to pray about it peacefully. I feel I may be called to marriage, but I'm afraid of two things, choosing the wrong spouse and commitment to said spouse for the rest of my life. Whereas religious life scares me because of the sacrifice I have to make and being away from my family. I've tried letting go and focusing on the present, trusting in God, but I go into a spiral when these thoughts arise. I'm afraid I might... Just keep putting it off and never actually choose anything. I would really appreciate your help and your prayers. Thank you, Anonymous.
1: Boom. Big ticket item. Um, My basic sense is the Lord created you to a purpose, and that purpose is already at work in the desires of your heart. Now, those desires of your heart might be wounded by sin, or they might be weakened by you know, whatever it is that you've been through in your life. But those desires are good at root. And when we live with the Lord, you know, when we live a life of grace, those desires are actually healed and, like, fortified. So discerning isn't so much a matter of, like, covering up what you experience or pushing back what you experience. It's permitting it to come to the surface as the Lord does His work of, you know, like, restoring the image of God in your heart. And so I think that when it comes to vocational discernment, sometimes we focus too much on the actual concrete question. When I think it's helpful just to focus on living a good Christian life, and that takes a little bit of the edge off it. So, you know, do you have a daily habit of prayer? Doesn't have to be for a super long time, but <clears throat> maybe work your way towards 20 minutes a morning. Do you have a, a regular habit of going to the sacrament of confession, receiving Holy Communion in a worthy state? Do you have a good habit of maybe introducing some penance into your life, putting a little distance between you and your cell phone so that way it doesn't just dictate the terms of your life? Uh, do you have good Christian friendships, people who encourage you in the life of virtue, people who challenge you to become a saint? You know, like, okay, so now I'm just listing things, but they're all pieces of the puzzle, which puzzle is our growth and holiness. And when, when those puzzle pieces are present, it kind of builds out for us um, a healthy, happy human existence. And the vocation is the... The kind of coming to fruition, that's a little bit fancy terminology, but our vocation is when we recognize the particular or the kind of specific way in which we're supposed to channel this life of holiness. And so when it comes to you know, the prospect of getting married, I think if you just say it at the outset, I'm going to marry the wrong person, you just get over it and move on. Because you're not going to find a perfect person. Because if the person likes you, obviously they're not perfect. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, so you're always going to be with somebody who has faults, with limitations. That's not the point. The point of being getting married isn't to find somebody who is faultless or limitless. The point is to find somebody who's willing to love you unto heaven and to love a little brood of children unto heaven as well. And then when it comes to religious life, don't worry. I would say you're probably not called to religious life if the thought of it inspires you with dread. And that doesn't mean that you're less, because God has different plans for different people. And those plans are good, and therefore the upbuilding of the body, which has different parts, all of which were down to his glory. So that's a start.
0: I mean, I would just follow, follow up with that. Yeah. And even if in the beginning there's that, that dread when you think about religious life, I would check how much time do you spend with the Lord in prayer? Because I know when I first perceived an invitation from Christ to become a priest, I resisted it dreadfully. But then I began to cultivate an intentional relationship with Jesus. And I I put the sermon on the shelf. I didn't worry about marriage or priesthood or religious life. I just focused on Jesus and my relationship with Jesus. And The more time I spent with Jesus in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, in prayer with the Word of God, the more Jesus Christ began to to woo me and and draw me to be open to to giving it a shot. I remember when I first felt called, um, I I didn't want to think about the priesthood, but I thought about it every day. People began to make comments to me, have you ever thought about being a priest? I don't want to hear those comments. When I got around seminarians, I became very excited. I didn't want to be excited. And when I finally went to the seminary in the monastery, I felt a sense of profound peace, and I didn't want to feel peace. But I had to acknowledge it. And because I was now living a daily relationship with Jesus, he and I were able to talk about this. I had a spiritual director that I was able to process it with, so I wasn't discerning alone. I had a vocation director that was also in the picture. And so whenever we're in discernment, sometimes we put so much pressure on it because we try to do it in isolation from the community, from other people. And so I, I would just encourage you, to, uh, before you examine any state of life vocation, put them all on the shelf and just focus on your relationship with Jesus first and foremost, as Father was saying, by cultivating a daily prayer life, 15 to 20 minutes a day, maybe 30 minutes to an hour eventually, uh, going to the sacraments, and then getting a spiritual director. And I would even encourage, if there's a lot of fear in your life, I always propose getting a good Catholic counselor therapist to walk with you to process why am I experiencing so much fear um, and anxiety with, with certain things. Uh, I I don't think we need a counselor for life necessarily, but sometimes it's good for a season to have a counselor, professional therapist to kind of accompany us in, and unpack those wounds and what it is that might be preventing us from moving in any direction. A paralysis is not of the Lord. And so the Lord wants us to be free to walk wherever he's inviting us to go. Uh, and so, and, and finally, I, I just would encourage you, uh, you know, I, I think it's good to just date, you know, just meet people right, at some point and, just see what it's like. like. And I'm not saying date everybody their mama, but go on a couple dates and just pay attention to your heart. Like Father said, nobody's perfect. Um, no one's ever gonna be perfect but Jesus and Mary. And so just date people. And then if you don't pr- particularly perceive that I can accompany this person toward heaven and there's a thought of religious life in your mind still, then maybe just go visit a convent. And, and if you go visit, maybe the fear might go away. You might see how real and how human the, the friars are, the sisters or the nuns or the monks or the brothers are in those different monasteries and convents around the world. You might be like, oh, wait, I have this image of something that was very fearful because I didn't know them. I think when we're not proximate to people, we can sometimes experience this fear, this false evidence appearing real. Um, but once we get to know people and we realize they're just people who are also sinners, who are trying to become saints, who are walking with each other, uh, and they're normal, and some are funny, and some are weird, and some have temperaments that are like mine, and some have temperaments that just rub me the wrong way, uh, it, it, it makes them more real. So I just would encourage you to get to know people. Get to know, uh, if you're thinking about uh, dating, get to know people, and that way, and if you're thinking about religious life, just go meet people by going to visit different convents and monasteries. Does that, make, does that sound okay, Father? Sounds great. Well, if you want to learn more about uh, discernment and, and, and discerning prudently and making decisions, then I would just highly encourage you to get this new great ebook
1: by Father Gregory Pine. It's called Prudence. Choose confidently, live boldly. And it is available on Amazon.com or at Our Sunday Visitor's website.
0: That's awesome. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question about patience with indecisiveness, particularly when we have people in our life who just struggle uh, to to choose anything. Uh, So stay tuned, and we're going to be right back.
2: Hi, we're Jackie and Bobby Angel with Ascension Presents, and we wrote a book. Yay! Ta-da. Um, it's on discernment which is figuring out the will of God in your life which can be an exciting and yet exhausting endeavor.
3: It's called Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry, Five Steps to Discerning God's Will and we wrote it with Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents. You might know
2: him. <laughs> you may know that guy. The book is concise but there's lots of wisdom for any person that really wants to do God's will and is a, it's a journey trying to figure out what God wants for your life and so there's a lot of wisdom from Things we've learned along the way. There's testimonies and and parts of our stories to help you out. Really, like, this is a book I wish I had as a young adult, like this would have helped me a lot in my 20s.
3: Discernment is a question we get asked all the time. Where is God calling me? What am I called to? What vocation am I called to? How do I know if I'm supposed to take it, this job? How do I know this? So we wrote this book to help you along the way, to give five steps to discern whatever decision you're making, and hopefully to give that peace and that joy that will come from making that decision. And the, the main goal is to help you grow closer to God along the way.
2: So maybe not you, maybe someone in your life is wrestling with a really tough decision and you want to give them some kind of resource or encouragement. It's for if you've got a big decision, period.
3: Yeah, so go get your copy of Pray, Decide and Don't Worry. Go buy one for a friend, buy one for someone who's not your friend.
2: Love your enemies, (laughs) buy
0: them this book.
3: (laughs) Go to ascensionpress.com and get your copy today.
0: And we're back. Our final question comes in from
1: Mary. Mary, did you know? Father, what do you think about that song, Mary, Did You Know? <laughs> I think Mary Mary did know insofar as our Lord gave her to know. Um, there's a theologian from the last century who describes the Blessed Virgin Mary as like enjoying the graces which are closest to the grace of the incarnation. So Our ladies, she's cuddled up close. St. Thomas uses this image. He says... Those things are hottest, which are closest to the fire. If in this image, our Lord is the fire, our lady is closest to the fire. So she is alive with the love of God. And uh, I think she knew. I love it. Shout out to our lady
0: of the knowledge. All right. (laughs) So patience with indecisiveness. Hey there, Father. Thanks so much for all you do. I have a question about decision-making. My husband and I have been married for three years and something that I struggle with is patience when he's making decisions, He's really indecisive and overthinks things a lot. I want to be patient. I want to be supportive, but I'm not really sure what the best way to do this is. I don't want to constantly make the decisions for us. I want us to work together and talk through our decision-making, but I can get really frustrated when he can't seem to get a final decision. Thank you for your advice, Mary.
1: I have a couple thoughts. First is, I think a lot of us think about decision-making as just a matter of optimizing or maximizing the consequences like we want to make sure that whatever decision we make on the other side of that decision things go well for ourselves and for other people so we want it to net us the most money or the greatest convenience or whatever a ton of pleasure but I think in our conversations we can reshape the decision making process To describe it more along the lines of, like, who do we want to be on the other side of this decision? Because you might agonize and anguish over a decision for many days, weeks, months, years. Um, But it doesn't necessarily make you a better person just because you get a good result. Sometimes it's actually better to make a quicker decision, even if it might mean, whatever, like a financial loss or something along those lines. Because the point is to be somebody who is rip-roaring and ready to do the good. Not somebody who is terrified at the prospect of making any decision whatsoever. So I think that, like, in your conversations, you can reframe it in those terms. Like, who do we want to become as, you know, as, you know, a man and a woman before the Lord, as a married couple, as, you know, parents potentially? Like, who do we want to become? And how does this decision factor into that? The other thing I would say is um, sometimes we focus so, so much on particular decisions that we blow them out of proportion. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, we want to reclaim the whole of our lives as something moral. Like, the small things that we choose are actually really significant. Because I think that our conversion, oftentimes it's just a matter of continuing to show up. It's not very dramatic. It's not very elegant. It's just uh, it's just showing up. And, you know, like, remaining faithful is is like continuing to renew a subscription for a magazine. You know, you keep getting those little postcards in the mail, and you might be tempted to, like, Pitch them in the trash because that's what you do with most things like that. But you realize that this postcard is a significant postcard. It's a real important postcard. And so you're more eager to fill it out, send it back, pay your dues as it were. But like, if we're not paying attention to all of the small things in some way, then we might be more likely just to let this subscription expire and never really notice when we stop receiving it in the mail. So I think, does that mean that you should agonize about haircuts and toothbrushing now in addition to big financial decisions? no. But I think kind of reenvisioning your moral life as all significant because all of it contributes to the story of your growth and holiness as a person, as a couple. And then when it comes to more practical things, um, because those are good to pepper in, you might challenge uh, you know like your your husband to make decisions even in like small settings. like he's like, oh, we should gas up, but we haven't yet hit the empty line and I probably could get away with another two rest stops. You could be like, oh, let's just go to this one. I mean, what's the worst case scenario? We end up over the course of our life gassing up our car an additional 15 times. Who cares? I also want some checks, Muddy Buddies at this rest stop, so let's go. Um, like, just kind of, just encourage to make decisions a little more, uh, what would you say, a little more decisively. And the other thing is, you, you might encourage like a habit of like decision journaling. So you're, you're waiting to make a decision, maybe write a little bit about it. You make the decision, write a little bit about it, and then revisit it after like a month or a year. Like, what did the discernment yield? How does it look now from the other side? So as to cultivate a kind of memory of good decisions, bad decisions, all decisions in between. Uh, those are some small thoughts.
0: That was, that was very insightful, Padre. Uh, a book I received on the day of ordination from Dr. Brant Petrie was a book called The Temperament God Gave You. Um, and I don't know the, the second part of that book's title, but uh, it's a great book. And it really helped me out exponentially in with working with other people and understanding a phlegmatic person is going to respond totally different than a melancholic person, than a choleric person, than a sanguine. And so I would just encourage you to uh, get to know your temperament and then get to know your spouse's temperament. And in this book, The Temperament God Gave You, uh, they, they give even practical advice on how someone with your temperament can relate better, can ask better questions, can talk better, can listen better to somebody who has a different temperament. It sounds like your husband might be phlegmatic if he's having uh, a problem making decisions. Uh, not that all phlegmatic people struggle with that, but that is a sign of, of, of some people who are phlegmatic. And so just to, to learn about people who have that particular temperament, and I think you'll be able to accompany each other better once you once you know each other um, at, a, at a deeper level uh, so I would encourage that as well and then also one last piece one thing that I find helpful when it comes to making decisions is looking at decisions from the perspective of is it urgent and important and if it is then I just try to put it on the top of my things to do in the morning and then if it's important but not urgent it can wait and if it's not important not urgent at all I probably won't even address it um, because it just I ain't got time for that ain't got no time for that. But so I always encourage you also to maybe your spouse begin to like practice it. You know, sometimes uh, people won't listen to us when we ask them things if we're not witnessing ourselves. And so show them that you're also addressing things that are urgent and important um, at the top of the day. And if he sees you do it and sees the fruit of you doing it, the peace that you have, the the less stress that's in your life, then that might inspire him to say, you know what, maybe I should start doing this as well. Um, But you can always pray for him as well. Pray for yourself. Uh, so that you can become more patient because you need to still grow in patience, like it's still a virtue. Uh, love is patient, love is kind, and so uh, but at the same time, and then you can pray for him to have a conver a deeper conversion of heart as well. With that being said, I don't want to promote that book only because there's a, a new book out and it's an ebook that I want to find out more about. Padre, why did you write your book on prudence?
1: Uh, short answer is because the uh, the publisher asked me to write a book about prudence, longer answer is. I started getting into prudence maybe like six, seven years ago. And when I got into it, I was blown away because I had assumed that it was a boring virtue for boring people. Mm. But what I came to discover was that uh, it was not a boring virtue and it's for all people. And specifically, like the thing that most captured my attention about prudence is that it's, it's a virtue that makes you the protagonist of your life. Because I think in the 21st century, a lot of us feel like life is just happening to us or like life is passing us by. Uh, but prudence is, is the virtue which empowers you to live your life and to live it well, which I think is something that we're all desirous, desirous of. But because prudence sounds so oldie-timey, none of us really look for it to be the key. And so, yeah, I just wanted to, um, I don't know, infuse a little bit of prudence into that conversation and uh, encourage people uh, to grow in that virtue.
0: So, people, if you wanna end up living your best life, then I would encourage you to check out Father Gregory Pine's new book, and it is called Prudence. Choose confidently, live boldly. And it is an ebook that is available on Amazon.com and uh, our Sunday Visitors uh, website. Website, yeah, website. People say website, right? I think there's, there's still a thing. Yeah, it's still a thing. Nice. <laughs> All right, Padre, it was a gift to to finally get to have you on this show. I look forward to seeing you when you come down to Louisiana State University the next time you come down here. I know you're all the way in Switzerland, so it might be a hot minute, but uh, when it happens. It will be great. Yeah.
1: All right. God bless, Padre. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man.